It's great to see all of you. Uh, my name's Daniel. I'm one of the pastors here. Uh, thanks for attending uh, the 930 service. And uh, hard to believe that 2023 is coming to an end. Uh, 2024 will be here uh, before we know it. Uh, we've entered the winter months uh, when the sun sets, in my opinion, way too early. Uh, Christmas mu- music started playing in uh, shops and restaurants well before Thanksgiving. Uh, shopping has commenced for many of us, yet the Christian church's calendar is just beginning. Uh, today is New Year's Day in regards to the Christian calendar. And an interesting thing about Advent is that we don't start off the year with a Christmas celebration or with Easter triumph. We actually begin the year waiting. We live in a fast-paced culture, and the holiday season, it can feel like we're living at warp speed. And so in Advent, we're invited by God to decelerate, slow down. We don't begin the new year with a ball drop and with dance parties. We begin with what often feels painful waiting, yearning, longing, and praying for Jesus to come. This Advent, we're going to look at the four original Christmas songs, the four songs in Luke's gospel, chapters 1 and 2. They were the original Christmas playlist for the early church. Uh, Their titles come from their Latin titles taken from the Latin Vulgate Bible. Uh, This morning, we're going to be starting by looking at Zachariah's song. It is a song of faith. And it's known as Benedictus, which means blessed be. It's taken from the first words of the song. And so uh, if you're able, I'm going to ask you to stand as we give attention to Luke 1, verses 67 to 79. This is the passage I'm going to read. I'm going to go ahead and give you a heads up that I'm going to refer to a lot of Luke 1 uh, this morning in my sermon. Uh, But this is God's word to us today. And his father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit And prophesied, saying, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from of old, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to show the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath that he swore to our father Abraham to grant us that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear, in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people and the forgiveness of their sins, because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high, to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. Isaiah tells us the grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of the Lord endures forever. Pray with me. Well, God, I ask that you would come to us and speak. Holy Spirit, speak to our spirits that we might behold Christ. And in beholding you and experiencing your presence this morning, we might be transformed. I pray that the words of my mouth Meditation of all of our hearts will be pleasing in this time. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You can have a seat. When was the last time that you were in a conversation with someone and you felt that that person was absent, that they weren't really present with you in the conversation? They were kind of somewhere else. 
hopefully not coming into church this morning as you interacted with someone, but maybe that could have happened. Uh, I know I've experienced the feeling of someone seeming to be absent when I'm talking with them, and I'm sure you have too. I wonder if you've ever considered that your feeling of them being absent could be a reflection that you yourself are absent. Here's what I mean. Perhaps in that relationship or in that conversation, you had an expectation of what you wanted to get out of that conversation or relationship for yourself. You were looking for a certain interaction rather than looking to genuinely connect and relate with that person. Instead of looking to connect with the person, you're mostly concerned with getting something from the person, which means though you felt they were absent, perhaps it was you who were not fully present with them. This is a very real dynamic that all of us have experienced in relationships, if we're honest, and it's a lived reality in our relationship with God. If you've ever felt like in relationship with God, you're standing before God and you're shouting into an empty sky out of which there is no reply. There will be times when you feel like God is seemingly absent in your life. You will feel, as C.S. Lewis said, God has double bolted the door on you and separated himself from you. In these moments, we cannot force God to meet our expectations or to interact with us in the way that we want. If we could, we would not be in a relationship with a living God. We would be relating to some imagination or image or idol. And so as we enter Advent this year and we begin with waiting, longing, and yearning for God to come, I want you to consider where and how you might be experiencing the sense of God's absence. But then I want you to consider where and how you might be the one who is actually absent in relationship to God. Then maybe you're looking to relate to God with certain expectations of how he should provide for you or how he should interact with you. You might be more interested in getting something from God than being in relationship with God. You might even feel yourself at times really longing and praying for certain things, but What I'm suggesting is that sometimes our intensity, even in prayer, can be for our expectations to be met more so than to genuinely connect with the living God, which leads to a sense of absence. And what I want to see in Zechariah this morning, and it's really the theme of Advent, that it's in the places of absence that God comes and transforms into places of his presence. It's in our places of absence that God comes and transforms into the places of his presence. How can this happen for us? I want to give you two things this morning, two points that are really practices that we can embody together in this Advent season. The first is lean into the ache. Second is to sing with faith. Lean into the ache, sing with faith. Let's look first at lean into the ache. Luke 1, verse 5 and 6, Luke, the the gospel writer, tells us who Zechariah is. He's a priest. He's married to his wife, Elizabeth. And both Zechariah and Elizabeth, we're told, live righteously before God. But in verse 7, Luke says they have no child because Elizabeth was barren and both were advanced in years. Zechariah and Elizabeth are old. They're close to 50 years old, which I know doesn't feel old these days, but it's beyond childbearing years. And being barren was believed to be a curse from God. And so Zechariah and Elizabeth desperately are longing and yearning for a child. 
And one day, Zechariah is randomly chosen to be the priest, to enter into the temple and burn incense to God. There were thousands of priests, but on this day, lots were cast, and Zechariah was chosen. Now, it's important for us to know that God had been absent from the people of God since the time of Malachi, close to 400 years earlier, at the end of our Old Testament. 400 years of no word from God, no interaction with God, and Zechariah, the faithful priest, enters the temple, and the angel Gabriel appears. And the absence and silence is broken. And the angel says to Zechariah in verse 13, Do not be afraid, for your prayer has been heard. You and your wife Elizabeth will bear a son and call him John, which we know is John the Baptist. And in God's coming, he fills the empty womb. He fills Elizabeth's womb with John, and next week we'll see, as Evan preaches, that God fills Mary's womb with Jesus. For that is the story of Christmas. The story of God opening wounds, of God coming and filling barren places with life. And even though God comes to Zechariah and the angel Gabriel tells him they're going to have a child, Zechariah responds with doubt. In verse 18, he says, how shall I know this? For I'm an old man and my wife is advanced in years. And God then makes Zechariah mute for the entirety of Elizabeth's pregnancy. Nine months, he's silent. Nine months, he sits with his ache. Nine months he prays. Now catch this. Before this, Luke makes it clear to us that Zechariah was a dutiful, religious, and prayerful man. But it would take nine months for Zechariah to be transformed so that he yearns for God more than anything else. Nine months to lean into his ache and become aware that though longing for a child was a good thing, God was getting him to a place where he would long for God more than any gift of God. So what are you aching for in your life right now? Maybe you're praying to get married. Maybe you're praying to have a child. Maybe you're praying for the return of a child or for the healing from sickness or for a new job. Maybe you're looking at the world and you're aching for the wars to cease, for evil to be stopped and for justice to roll down. Advent is a time for us to get in touch with our aching, to lean into our confusion and our fears, to feel the pain of this world. The Old Testament people of God had 400 years of aching before God came. Zechariah had nine months to lean into his ache. We have four weeks in Advent every year. Now, I know this is counterintuitive to what we normally do. When we feel pain, at least I do, I want to numb and escape it. We don't want to lean into it. But it takes time to dig and excavate to the deeper layers of our hearts to get to the place where we can be really honest with God and bring ourselves fully God to God and therefore be present with God. As we live life long enough in this world, all of us are going to experience pain in a a major way, on a major scale. And Advent invites all of us to lean into this ache. But I also want to encourage us to lean uh, into the ache in in a different way. Uh, It's what John Ortberg calls practicing God's presence in the moments of many pain, M-I-N-I. So, so for instance, um, suppose um, frustrated, this happens more often than I care to admit, frustrated at the self-checkout line at Target, uh, and I'm sitting there, and, and this is a pain of like one, 
on a scale of a thousand, right? But in a sense, it, it, this moment's letting me know this isn't the way the world should be. Right? It, there's something wrong about this. <laughs> should be more efficiency, right? Something's going on. It's not the way the world should be. And so I, I can either get fr- frustrated, angry, or, or not pay attention to what's going on in my heart. But if I can, in that moment, ask God to come and be with me in my frustration, I can stand there and I might then be able to see God in the presence of the person standing in line in front of me. Or or I might be able to see God at work through the target employee who's running from checkout line to checkout, or checkout stand to checkout stand. The practice of leaning into many pain, these small pains, these small frustrations in daily moments, help us lean and feel the ache of living in this world rather than numbing or escaping it. So that when the larger pain comes, we're able to be present with God so that we long more for a relationship with God than any gift God might give us. And it takes time for us to get below the surface layers of our hearts and to be honest. But if we lean into the ache long enough, our sense of helplessness to save ourselves will grow. And it's in that place that we'll cry mercy, come Lord Jesus. And then we'll turn to God for the sake of relationship with God more than any gift from God. Theologians have long referenced Advent as a time of celebrating three comings of Christ. The first coming, Jesus, 2,000-plus years ago. The final coming of Jesus uh, that will happen one day, someday, when all that is broken and crooked in this world will be healed and made straight. The third coming that we celebrate is the momentary coming of Christ that happens as we live in relationship with Him day to day. That in this season, we pray that Jesus comes to us now by his word, and by his spirit. And as we lean into our ache, as we sit with the longings of our heart, we become more honest and therefore more present in relationship to God. And the words of the song, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, ring more true, that we mourn in lowly exile here until the Son of God appears. And when Christ comes to us by his word and his spirit in this season, we rejoice We rejoice. And this is exactly what happens in the life of Zechariah. He's mute for nine months. And when it comes time to name his child, everybody thinks that he and Elizabeth are going to name him Zechariah Jr. That was the custom of the day. But the angel had already told him that his name would be John. And so Zechariah, who was doubting before these nine months, is now certain of God and what God has said. And so when they ask Zechariah the name of the child, Luke 1 verse 63 tells us that he writes on the tablet, John. And immediately his mouth was opened and his tongue loosed and he erupted into a song, Benedictus. Blessed be the Lord God. So the second point and the second practice that I'm inviting to embody this Advent is to sing with faith. Zechariah sings a deep song that comes out of his experience from having God come to him in his aching and yearning. Reformer Martin Luther wrote, My heart, which is so full of overflowing, has often been solaced and refreshed by music when sick and weary. Paul in Ephesians 5 tells us to sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs to one another, for God works his healing through songs of faith. That's why last night was so powerful and so good. And if you missed it, I'm so sorry. It was so good. And if it happens next year, you don't want to miss it. Zachariah sings deeply 
about the salvation of God. It's a song of faith. And I'm not going to go through every word of the song. I would encourage you to do that this week. Spend time going through this song verse by verse. But I want to give you three images that come from this song that help us understand the salvation that Zachariah is singing about. A horn, a house, and a horizon. Let's look first at a horn. Verse 69 Zechariah sings, the Lord has raised up a horn of salvation for us. Now, horn of salvation is not a reference to a musical instrument. Uh, it, this is the, a horn was used as a, in reference as a symbol of an, of an animal's power and strength. Specifically, it's referencing the horns of an ox. And the ox horn was a deadly weapon. It was an offensive weapon. So imagine... You, you get left out in the middle of a field in the jungle of Zambia or South Africa. You're all alone, and all of a sudden, you see a powerful lion running swiftly towards you. And then coming out of nowhere, an ox charges the lion, pierces the lion with his horn, impales the lion in the side, and raises its head with the lion impaled in victory. One moment you were dead in your tracks, the next you're rescued. This is the picture of the kind of salvation that Jesus brings. An aggressive conquering upon the king's arrival. And the deeper your sense of needing rescue, the deeper your song will be in your rescue. The second image is a house. Verse 69, raised up a horn in the house of David. The coming of Christ from the house of David. This is an announcement of a royal arrival. It's a changing of the guard. No longer would Israel be under the oppression of their enemies. Jesus would come and rescue from all enemies, the oppression of the Roman Empire and the oppression and tyranny of sin and the evil one. The salvation that Jesus brings, it sets us free from all oppression and it ushers us in to a new kingdom of living under the rule and reign of a loving and gracious king. The third image of this salvation is horizon. Verse 79 it says, the sunrise shall visit us from on high to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. That in Jesus, the dawn comes. The new day appears. Darkness is dispelled and a light shines to guide us in how to walk the way of peace. There is a new horizon for all who know Christ. One of my favorite songs that we've been singing recently here at Christ Central is, Fear is Not My Future. Fear is not my future, you are. Sickness is not my story, you are. Heartbreak's not my home, you are. Death is not the end, you are. Hello, hope. It's a new horizon. It's a new day. The song of Zechariah is a song of faith in the Christ who brings salvation. And it rises out of Zechariah as God comes to him in his places of pain and aching. It erupts out of his mouth as God transforms the places of God's absence into places of God's presence. And in this season of Advent, this Christmas season, there are multiple ways that we can sing these four original Christmas songs or the Christmas hymns or the worship songs that we will sing. We, we can come in here on Sunday mornings, these four Sundays of Advent, and we can kind of lip sync our way through worship. worship. We can watch and be entertained by our incredible worship team as they sing. Or we can sing deeply with loud voices filled with faith. Why do you sing the songs of Christmas? 
Why will you sing them this Advent? If you were to attend an England versus France rugby match in England, you would hear 80,000 people break out into singing. And you would hear them singing the song that has become the anthem for England's rugby team. And it's the song, Swing Low, Sweet Chariot. Now, many of you automatically find this quite awkward and even wrong because you know Swing Low, Sweet Chariot is originally an African-American slave spiritual. In 2017, Josephine Wright, professor of music and black studies at the College of Worcester in Ohio, wrote an article in the New York Times. And she said that the lyrics of Swing Low, Sweet Chariot allude to feelings of despair and a desire of release from suffering. In the 1800s, the song was a surreptitious alert on the Underground Railroad as well as a funeral song. And John N. Williams, the director of the Center for the Sociology of Sport at the University of Leicester in England, said in the same article, I can understand why the awkwardness for many Americans as England sings this song at a rugby match. The only thing I can give them as a kind of strange reassurance is that I suspect the vast majority of people singing it have no idea where it came from or even that it's American at all or that it has a black American heritage. Swing Low, Sweet Chariot, sung at a rugby match in England, or Swing Low, Sweet Chariot, sung by African-American slaves on the Underground Railroad to escape the oppression of slavery in the South are two very different songs. One is a song of triumph and sport. The other is a song about liberation from oppression and death. So let me ask you again, why do you sing the songs of Christmas? Because it's the hap-hap-happiest time of year? Or because Christ has come and you're experiencing deep relationship with the King of salvation? Let us remember that in the moment that Jesus experienced God's absence, as Jesus hung on a cross as the God-forsaken one, God was doing his most mighty and powerful work. Three days later, Jesus would rise, and out of the barrenness, God would usher in new life and a new kingdom. There will be times in our lives where we feel like God is absent, the double-bolted door, and God is not responding. And we may not know why we are going through what we're going through. We may not know what's going to happen, but as we lean into the ache of living in this broken world and God comes to us right now by his word and by his spirit, our moments of pain becomes memori become memorials of grace. And our places of absence become places of God's presence. And we sing with faith a song of our great salvation. Let's pray. Lord, I ask that you would come to us in the ways you know we all need, that we might sing deeply and loudly with faith in the salvation that you bring. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.